Yep, I'm on my MacBook Pro with white Apple headphones, sitting at a desk. Really, what you have to make sure is that your headphones don't touch your shirt, like they're doing right now. Like that? I don't. I don't want to do that. You're a monster. <laughs> you, you're you're tacky, and I hate you. Welcome to Catching Foxes, a podcast that favors discussion over instruction. Today's Monday, November 7th, 2016, and this is our first time back in three weeks, having recorded the last two episodes as one long episode, and then Luke's internet completely died in his classy yet old apartment building. So here we go, we're rewarding your patience with a two-hour episode. We talk about Luke's GoFundMe campaign for that Catholic couple. We talk about community groups that goes into an argument, which instead of 10 minutes, we spend 45 minutes on it. Then we regroup. I drink more wine, and we discuss Doctor Strange, crappy Marvel villains, pop culture, who Gomer voted for in the early elections, Jimmy World, and our podcast, State of the Union. We want to thank our unsponsor, who unadvertised with our unpodcast, Cherubalm, makers of baby lotion bars that are great on the skin and safe for cloth diapers, for giving us money not to talk about their product. More on that with some sweet 80s synthesizer in the show. Enjoy. No, no, no. I got your topic. Okay. So our friends at That Catholic Couple. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. They were driving uh, somewhere. They had their screaming crazy baby. Uh, they were putting the baby in the seat. He took his camera that he used, a digital SLR camera that he uses to record video for their show. They have over 2,000 subscribers for That Catholic Couple on YouTube. And lo and behold, he drives off without grabbing the camera from the roof. It falls off, breaks, shatters. How did you hear about this? And then what did you do next, Luke? So you beautiful, you beautiful man. <laughs> You're a hero, Luke. Maybe a Luke Carey will save us. I just said your last name, my bad. <laughs> Remember Evanescence, what conflicted feelings you had about the band because the girl was kind of attracted, kind of attractive, but you weren't really too sure about it, and you ended up still being on the fence about the band and her. Uh, okay, sorry. What am I saying? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You just had an aphasia right there. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to be funny, and I failed, which is why I should never try anyone. All right, so why did I do this? Okay, so what happened? So I was hanging out in my cool, hip, awesome kitchen, and I saw... And I was um, on the Facebook, and I saw this thing that said the end of the Catholic couple, and I was like, "What?" And so I watched it, and you could, and I was like, "Wait, like, what just happened?" And they basically explained how their camera broke, and this was a camera that cost they had used um, like all of their wedding money to buy this to buy this camera. And it, I think, added like an like an additional four hundred dollars or so of other stuff to it, and you could just see like the pain on their on. Um, you really on could. Their they were so like they were, sad. They were just like, it's broken. We don't have. We can't. We can't do this anymore. We don't have the money to replace the camera. I think they've been doing this for what, like a little over a year now. Maybe about two. So almost like I, I kind of. I like a look at them as our a contemporaries. We we started at this at the same time. We're not doing the the exact same thing, but you know we're both trying to just put out good good stuff to talk to people about God and and our faith and try to um and try to figure out this little this little thing we hear called life. 
and I was like, oh, this, like, I, I don't, I just didn't, um, I, I thought, man, if they stop, that would really suck. Because it, it is like, I mean, listen, I love our podcast. I don't want to complain about any part of it at, at all. It is great. It has gone above and beyond what I anticipated for the most part. We're not quite there yet. But, uh, but we put a, I mean, we put a decent amount of uh, cash dollars into all of this with our just uh, sound equipment and audio editing stuff and just like uh, the time. Like all, you know, it takes a lot of time. Uh, uh, to make this happen and just to think that like all their you know hard work was was over with because their uh camera got destroyed i was like oh that we gotta do something like someone's gotta do some some type of a gofundme campaign and so i actually emailed uh daniel about it who's um who's part of that catholic couple him and his wife anna and I said, "Hey guys, uh, like you probably have already thought about this, or you've even been uh, approached about doing a GoFundMe cam cam campaign. But I just like I just want to know if you would be cool with it. I don't mind heading this up because I, I think it's awkward when you're in a place where like, oh my gosh, it's 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 always kind of hard to ask for help." You know, and I, and I could tell that they were like, we don't know what to do here. So I said, let me handle this if, um, you know, you guys are cool with it. They, you know, they said that, uh, you know, like they were like, uh, he, he was ex- he was extremely grateful that we'd be willing uh, to do that. And he said, if you want to do it, absolutely. So I probably took me about a, about a half hour to uh, create the campaign and within i think like two days or so we 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 were able uh, to raise twenty five hundred dollars which is fantastic so yeah that's that really happy that it that it was able to be uh accomplished so quickly I yeah think in about 32 hours we hit our goal of twenty five hundred dollars yeah. it was so amazing like a day and a half yeah yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah I, I was really happy. Yeah. I checked it right at twenty four hours to see how much, and we only needed three hundred more dollars. And I was like, "Oh, right, I haven't donated yet." <laughs> so while it was still the twenty four hour mark before it clicked, or it was under twenty four, it was twenty. So I quickly donated and was like, oh, "I got to get on this." It's <laughs> gonna guilt guilt trip me. No, yes, I was probably going to. No, but it was like honestly. Uh, so probably half of it was. Um, Little less than half of it was one and it was one individual, but that's kind of how those things tend to work, though. Yeah, big I mean, shout out to Carol Madani. Yeah, thank you. You that's make awesome. the kind of videos I love to watch. God bless and keep up the good work. That was one thousand dollars. That's awesome. That was yeah. That's and, and again, like I knew that there were people out there who uh, who liked what that Catholic couple's about and and. I would want to get behind them. And so, and you know, that's really how any, any type of campaign that you do where you try, uh, we try to raise money. The, I mean, you're, you're going to have one or two in it, like individuals who will be like, are going to back like half of it, you know, or perhaps, you know, 
of like a thirty I just, minute or so. I just want to point out some awesome stuff. So uh, David Leiniger, he's awesome. He's a uh, graphic designer, creative director at Life Team. Um, I think he's in St. Louis. Uh, it, last time I was in St. Louis, he wanted to meet up, and then it snowed, and I'm scared of snow and driving on it. Courtney, who's a great uh, listener, fan of the show, who drove into Houston and took a, took a picture with me. Oh, cool. She, she donated. That's really awesome. Thanks, Courtney. That's awesome. Thanks Good for old... stopping by and saying hi to us in Houston, <laughs> where only Gomer lives. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Go on. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, we have uh, Tanner, Tanner Hicks. He donated. Awesome. Uh, Tom, good old Tom, donated $98. What a peculiar amount. $98. Tom is a good man. Tom is a good man. I'm going to his church to do a parish mission. Nice. Anyone who hears this should hire me to come to their church and do a parish mission. And h- hire me to come and drink with you. Come and drink with me. Come to the table. I don't have a lot of prospects. Come and drink with me. <laughs> and then uh, you got Carol, of course, because Carol. Uh, Chris Donato, who's a local, who's a fan of our show. Big fan of Chris. A, Hi, buddy. A bi- yeah, big fan of Chris. There's, ooh, who's this? Michael Gormley. He donated because he didn't realize there was a, a way to anonymize. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know. I, I was, like, waiting for it to come up. And, I um, left mine and it, anonymous just to... Not guilty. Was yours the one hundred and ninety-two dollars? No, no. I don't My know. favorite is the not, the anonymous person who donated one hundred ninety-two dollars is the one who took it directly to two thousand five hundred. Yeah, that's really cool. That was really cool. So yeah, I was really happy because I, you know, it's it's kind of interesting when I when I first or like I uh, first launched it launched it. I kind of like had, I was on that high of like, awesome. Now I get all like, all like, um, all the money. And within, you know, like five or 10 minutes, there really um, wasn't anything. And I was like, Oh no, what if like no one gives and I make this big deal out of, out of this. And it's just like my donation. Luke, Luke, you were forgetting about the catching foxes bump. Exactly. It is a real thing now. (laughs) It's, it's not just shame. It's cash dollars. (laughs) Now, if only we could channel that to us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, plans, my friend. I've been writing plans. plans. Anyway. Oh, really? You've mm-hmm. been writing plans? Have you been buying video cameras? Let me tell you what my favorite part about your your story. So you introduced it, uh, you know, what happened, freak accident. You talked a little bit about them. But your third paragraph is literally what sold it to me. You said, good content is not easy to make, nor is it cheap. At Catching Foxes, each episode involves equipment that costs well over $1,500. Videos are even more expensive. The vast majority of people that produce the content you love do not get paid for their work. They create content in their spare time using equipment they purchase with their own money. Losing equipment worth thousands of dollars can stop a show instantly. When I read that, I was like, that is awesome. Because you don't think about, like, you know, people out there who listen to our show, Number one, thank you for actually yeah, listening. Thank you. Number, yeah. Number two, surprise. Every day. Every day when people listen to the show, I'm like, what? But <laughs> when, when You do. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. this is such an important thing for me personally that when other people make it a big deal, it kind of blows my mind. But I, we do. We literally spend hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of our own dollars in order to make, um, in order to make this stuff. Which doesn't really make us money. Although, today, Luke, this is the perfect place. Our 10-minute conversation is up. This is a perfect place to introduce our ad. 
So we have a new sponsor, sort of. Has anyone ever heard of Cherubalm? It's an all-natural baby balm, and their flagship product smells like chrism oil. Apparently, chrism oil is now the pumpkin spice of Catholic pop culture. Anywho, their owner listens to the podcast and likes it, but thinks it's way too PG-13 for their brand. It's supposed to be a family brand. So he thought about advertising with us, but then thought it would probably uh, literally torpedo his company if the ad ended up on an episode where we talked about masturbation or something. So just to be safe, they paid us not to talk about Cherubalm. Cherubalm.com. C-H-E-R-U-B-A-L-M.com. Safe for use with cloth diapers. Thank God they didn't advertise with us. What a great ad that was! Oh, so <laughs> what funny. a great I love, ad! Woo! I love that '80s music. Right? We did it, man! I had such a good time recording that. No, oh, well. wait. Oh wait. <laughs> Maybe if you were a grown-up and were on my schedule instead of me being on yours. <laughs> Just kidding. It's, it's totally fine. Um, yeah. So I'm very. Why do like people who make Chisms or things like that. Why do they like us? Do we Chisms? smell good? J- you mean our friend JD Chisholm from college? Exactly. Or do you mean Chrisms? Wait, what do you? <laughs> I I don't know what I I don't know. I don't use that word. You mean balm? You mean balm? No, People but it's make... like a chrism, though, right? No, it's a balm with a chrism smell. Oh, that's right. Okay, why do people who make things with a chrism smell? Why do they like us so? I don't. I don't know, but I love it. I love the fact that chrism is is literally the new pop culture Catholic scent. I'm really excited about all the free stuff we're going to get the more that we do ads. I know it's really selfish, but when you work in ministry, you don't get a lot of like free stuff besides we don't, books we that don't you don't want. We don't get swag in the church. Yeah, we don't get no. swag. We get, hey, here's a book by Matthew Kelly. And it's like, cool, that's that's great. I'll add it to the 30 other ones I have by him. Like, it's all the same thing. <laughs> of, of, the, of the same book. Yeah, and it's like, oh, another copy of the Resisting Happiness. It's a good book. It's just by the fifth copy that you get out of, because of something, you're like, hey, that's great. Or, like, you know, you go out to lunch, and then the author, like, he'll send you his book, and you're just like, ah, I'm not going to read this. Uh, Could you send me something from Scott Hahn? (laughs) (laughs) Please send me a book that doesn't have anything to do with your radical way of doing ministry. I would love it. Just give me a gift card, like Audible or something. (laughs) Matthew, how can I put this? Your ass is played out. Let's stop this. I am sick of your cheap ass books. Now, 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 now. We have friends who work at... At dynamic, Catholic. I'm just kidding. Good I'm loyal kidding. listeners who we love. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're actually going to bring Matthew, uh, Miss Mr. Kelly, Miss <laughs> Miss Kelly. Uh, we're going to bring him out to our church. Uh, I think within within the year. Can, I love. I, I actually love all of that stuff. I you, love. Oh yeah. When oh, you say Matthew Kelly, can you in, can you introduce him at? your parish and at some point in time say i don't think you are really i don't think wow i don't think you are ready for this jelly here is matthew kelly or like find some way to like fit that in so it's like so it obviously rhymes yeah no i think we can do that i think we can do that okay. ladies and gentlemen uh put your hands together for our special guest uh he works one month a year as a business consultant he works 11 months a year and a and the head of the one of the most popular Catholic um, evangelistic outreaches—I don't know what you would call it, dynamic Catholic. 
and say he's 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 at the forefront. He's at the forefront of developing free curriculum for the most important parts in a Catholic's life in order to bring them to Christ and the church. Put your hands together for Matthew Kelly. I don't think you're ready for this <laughs> jelly. <laughs> or how about, ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together. Wait, don't put your hands together because I don't think you're ready for this jelly. There you ladies go. Ladies and gentlemen, Matthew Kelly. There you go. So I actually had a chance to go and um, hang out with uh, um, a really good buddy of mine who works over at Dynamic Catholic. He's also a big fan of other podcasts. I dominate. Hey. Uh, it's a really cool place. I was very impressed by it. Hey, hey, hey. Does his name start with the letter D? Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm in contact with yeah, him. Yeah. I told him, uh, I told him I wanted to help them make small group videos and then we never followed up. <laughs> I mean, just, I just want people making videos like I'm making. Buy my who can book. make them good. No, no. Who can make them good? My videos suck. Although Luke, I, you know, I'm just going to say this. People have reached out to me personally saying, I want to do a uh, community group based on your videos and do it through Catching Foxes. Like, we push it for Catching Foxes. Catch for Catching Foxes. I, but I'm it's the a... videos that I've already made. It's, the, it's, not like any, it's not like something weird. I know. I just don't made. like videos. Dude, don't be a for dick. Ministry. It's 15 I know. minutes. I know. I know. No, no, no. I, I like that you keep them short. I really do. Okay, here's what I don't like. Uh, Go on. I just think for youth ministry, it's not always the best idea, but I think it is a good supplemental. Keyword there being supplemental. Okay, uh, well, who's talking about youth ministry? We're talking about young adults who I want know, to get together. And I know, pray no, and that's talk. true, and I like, oh, I like alphas. You, alphas great. You know, I'm. You know what I'm thinking? I'm scared about this, Luke. I'm scared. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to make. I'm going to dedicate myself to pre-evangelization videos next time. But here's the thing. Okay, I, I understand what you're saying about wanting to dedicate yourself to pre-evangelization uh, videos, but I just don't. Okay, how do how do I put this? Ninety-eight percent of pre-evangelization activities should be personal. And I feel like as Americans, we're so addicted to wanting to package things that and just mass produce them that it just – I don't – I feel like if – no, okay, like this isn't like you per se. So I'm not trying to like push back against you specifically. Break my heart. <laughs> but no, I'm just saying like do we need prepackaged pre-evangelization do we need content for pre-evangelization? Yes. Why? Because, okay, number one, do you, okay, let me just put it this way. The C.S. Lewis's greatest book is Mere Christianity. Mere Christianity has literally converted millions of people. Mere Christianity is almost entirely pre-evangelization. He is speaking to the objections found in his Western world audience. That's the point of C.S. Lewis's work, right, of mere Christianity. Now, if you love and are a convert of Christianity, you read Screwtape Letters and you learn more about temptation and all this stuff. But people do not you – you would be surprised. Like I think of my audience as 
the people who want to grow in their faith, but they have massive obstacles intellectually, especially around science and religion, that prevent them from doing it. And no one, not, okay, this is the other thing that I've discovered. And I'm talking from a community group perspective. No one is sitting down and talking about their struggles with faith itself. Very few yeah, people yeah, are doing it because, well, because what I'm discovering is people feel, people who want to be better Catholics feel guilty for having questions. And so having a format where, you know, it's like, because part of Alpha is doing that, right? He goes through when he says, when he does the Who is Jesus video, which is probably his most popular video. The the Alpha video, which you can find them on YouTube, or at least that one. I would tell everyone to search it. About 80% of that video is literally pre-evangelization. He goes through and he says, we know more about Jesus Christ than we do about Julius Caesar. You know, And we might think that that's not important, but that type of apologetic is totally necessary today. And the fact that it's also going to be on YouTube out there and that when my goal is if we, get, if we were to get – a hundred people or a hundred community groups looking at my videos, you know, basically a lot that generates a lot of views. It gets connected to a lot. Like right now, my videos are connected to the amazing atheist blog and the amazing atheist for some crazy reason. If you watch my videos, the amazing atheist videos come up. And then when I'm, when I'm in my, like my channel doing the administration, it keeps recommending the amazing atheist to me because he covers similar content, but he has a lot of web views. So you want to get that Google juice working to at least have things that address stupid stuff. Like, like for instance, I don't know about you, but doing youth ministry, you'll probably start hearing a lot more of things like um, Jesus is a myth that the early Christians invented stealing yeah, from oh yeah. Egyptian mythology and Roman mm-hmm. and Greek mythology. Just a, a, like you could spend two minutes debunking that that would literally cure the obstacle that people have. But because people don't know how to research this stuff, they don't. People are clueless. I have books in my office that would answer, I, w- I would say, the bulk of people's objections to Christianity. I got a couple Janet Smith for all the sexual people who want contraception. I got, you know, all this stuff, uh, More Than a Carpenter, which is a wonderful Christian book. This is basic apologetic of Jesus. But stuff that, like, treats faith, God, what does it mean? What is the relationship between science mm-hmm. and religion? And then to discuss it honestly, like in a place where people aren't going to be, where no one will be told you're immoral for, you're wrong. You have a lack of faith for asking questions. I want people to ask questions. No, so, yeah. But, okay, but here's, okay, so here's where I would, I would not agree with you on that, is that what you're talking about to me, is not pre-evangelization. That is actually initial evangelization, where they've got they've they're kind of got their toes in the water a bit, and they're there. I'm talking about getting them to that point. Is to me that is strictly a relational, and uh, um, uh, the minute you try to strategize that, it's lost. It's completely lost because you have inherently turned that person into a into a project and almost dehumanized them in a way where it's like all like all you got to do is just like you just like you basically become a cog in a machine. Now, what I like when I now I don't think that it's a bad idea to to have people in to have people in 
to, to have them engage with good content. But to me, there again, that's an um, initial evangelization where, like, if they hear our podcast, someone had to at least, like, recommend them this podcast. And that, that like, that only relationship that is, that is happening there that comes from that's, that's, that's the pre evangelization that's, that I'm talking about. And I, I, I don't think you can replace that with a video or anything. See, that's the, that's the thing where I think we keep butting heads. I'm not replacing it with anything. There comes a part where – a point where a person has to intellectually wrestle with things on an intellectual level. Oh, yeah, Not absolutely. just in a level where two people are having a conversation and it's not evangelization unless it's two living human beings. I have an amazing um, allergy to just pushing people down in another program, another program, and another program. What I don't have an allergy about is for my own faith life, and I know this is true for so many people, when they struggle with a particular area, the first thing they do is they start Googling stuff. They might know Catholic answers. They might know the catechism. They might know scripture, you know, websites, Bible websites, whatever, like BibleGateway.com. And they might go on YouTube and type in things like, is Jesus really God? Right? And the point of that is not to replace the individual people having conversations. But I know for a fact that there are people sitting in church offices who have a master's degree in theology or an undergraduate degree in theology or religious education or catechetics, and they do not know how to engage in what we would call apologetics about the divinity of Jesus. Why should you believe in God? And the fact that they can say, well, actually, you know, I don't know a lot about this, but let's watch this together. Or you go watch this and let's talk. Now, I can't tell you how many times I do that with people all the time. I say, go and watch Bishop Barron's Catholicism series, video one, and then we will meet and then me and you will discuss. The cool thing about it is you have something in common that you both know that you can share. And they can be like, I thought it was sort of bullcrap. Like I had one guy preparing for adult confirmation. And he's a pilot, and so he could never come to any of the classes. So I said, here's your deal. Watch Father Barron's Catholicism series. So he would go and watch it, and then every two weeks we would meet up, we would sit down, and we would plow through the workbook because it comes with a a workbook and and a physical book on top of the videos. And we would go through it together. And then he would see, so when he got to the one on purgatory, he was like, I think this is total bull crap. Not purgatory, but his presentation of purgatory is essentially quoting Dante, why do I care about Dante's opinion of whether or not purgatory exists? So I was like, great, let's talk about what he says about purgatory, and then we can go into scripture, mm-hmm. church fathers, and all that other stuff. So the point of a, of a video, again, the point of the video for community groups is not the video. The video helps the nervous host who doesn't have a master's degree in theology and didn't spend hours agonizing how to put together a you know, 12 to 15 minute talk. The video is there to be the teacher, but then the, the community group itself is meant to unpack it and to connect it, not just to the talk and learning stuff, but to life and connecting with people. And that's the component that like, I'll tell you what, I go to a Bible study where in our small group, people are like, my husband isn't Catholic and they start crying and it's like, oh my gosh, that's so awful. Okay. Well, let's go on to question two. 
And in my heart, I'm like, no, <laughs> like let's spend time here. Let's no, pray. Yeah, let's yeah, do a million absolutely. things, right? So the big thing about community groups or, or the whole, like, at least the notion of home-based small groups is you use the content to be a vehicle to life, not the other way around. But I think too often, though, all anyone wants to talk about is the content or puts all their all of their weight into the into the content. So there is no real um, emphasis on how to do. So if you look at the four areas of formation, intellectual, apostolic, human, and um, spiritual. Okay, I, I'm going to replace apostolic with the word pastoral. Everything that we train people on is on the how to present the intellectual side. You, yes. you, you go to any of these things. Yes. It's, it's, it's all about here's how to here's how to yes yes yes. It's all about like uh, personal uh, relationships. But like, let's spend four hours out of the like you know like uh uh four and a half hours that we are currently here on how you present this, you know, a particular, like how you present and talk about these like videos here without diving into any of the past, any of the pastoral part of a formation, how you walk with a person. And so let me, let me connect you directly what we do. So you have a group that studies, what is the church teaching on service to the poor and to your neighbor? Now, nine times out of ten, they sit there and they watch a teaching on Catholic social teaching, right? You, you hear this guy talk and you go through this. Uh, but in our community group model, the next step is you have to go out and do it. And the community group, number one, either A, you do it as a community group, or B, you do it as an individual. And you might say, oh, well, that's all well and good, but who's going to actually go out and do it? We literally have dozens of groups that go out like, like mobile loaves and fishes. They go out and they connect with and they start serving where they otherwise never would have because they never would have thought to study what does the New Testament talk about service. And then – but because you can craft it. I mean you can literally talk about service all you want. And it can just become an intellectual exercise. You're absolutely right. But if you don't provide a vehicle for people to then go and serve, or if that doesn't, if the content itself doesn't point to, okay, now go do this. Well, go, I can hear you breathing. <laughs> Sorry. You hear that heavy breathing. Uh, You'd better be alone. <laughs> just as okay. So anyways, uh, so excited. Um, no one knows what just happened there. And that's okay, everyone. You don't have to know everything. Uh, I get it, but that's still like what, what I'm talking about is you're still saying, just do a B, just, just do a and B and you're going to end up with like C and then, you know, everything's fine. That's not, that's not how life works. And I think that too often explain to me how life works. If doing a and B doesn't get you to C, what magically gets you to C? There, there isn't anything. It's you. You, you have to have a person who, um, who walks with you. And my big issue is we don't train people, or really form people, or even tell people to do that. You know how to do that. Like I'm not saying that like you can't, but there are tons and tons of church workers who don't ha who don't have a clue how 
to walk with a to on uh, how to walk with a person. So we just like leave it up to a DVD. Yeah. And so there's no it's it's not um it's not like rooted in, you know, anything. It's just we're just chasing experiences. And I and I think if you don't have people to like actually like walk with you because it's like what what you know you and I okay think back to when we first got to college and John and Adam had all those questions about other Catholic faith and really how to live their uh, like how to like how to live the faith who did they look to for the most part it was you know it was a you and me too on one extent you 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 a little bit more because you you know had the ministry background but i had kind of already been in it for about two years or so and it was those personal relationships where we were able to kind of like walk with them and i mean not really it it, it wasn't even and it wasn't even an an intentional thing it just kind of happened so i think when you don't have that uh piece where there is we really don't have that quote-unquote like mentorship or like really what it is is a uh companion when you don't have that i think like getting to see it just becomes like life is too hard and messy and at times you just really need to have a person there to just even like be around you don't even have to talk about anything just being there and I think you can't replace the, and, and, and this isn't what like you are trying to do, but it's what I, it's what I've experienced with, with, with a lot of other things that I, that I hear pitched a lot is it's just this idea of like, and do this and then everything's fine. And I'm like, that's not true. <laughs> that's not, that's not how life works. There's always going to be a, there's always going to be a, um, a, um, a tomorrow. Bad things are going to happen and we're just like and we just like leave people on their own i don't know if i'm making any like i don't know if any of this makes any kind of sense at all in my head you are reducing things to a bunch of like clever clown sounding cliches the thing that is is that i want to grab hold of that i i agree with you but i feel like maybe you're missing the point of what community groups are versus a classroom where you watch a DVD or a, even a small group where you watch, you know, you watch a video of someone presenting is the whole purpose of community groups is to make people a community where they're doing things like just being present to each other. And case in point, before we started this program, my buddy John sent me a text message saying, hey, let's just go out for a beer. Sports ball is on. The reason why he said, let's go out for a beer, is because our buddy runs the bar, Deacon Baldy's, and we want to go there and support him as much as we possibly can. And the other thing is, he knows to say sports ball because I don't give a shit about sports. And he knows it's a joke. Because this is the one problem that I've seen. And I don't know about you. Maybe you can speak to this in your own life. But the one problem I've seen is the lack of intention with Christians, Catholics, who love our faith, who are in quote-unquote community with each other, but who never pray with each other, who never talk about things that matter. So my whole thing for community groups, what I witnessed with my own eyes, is I witnessed people who were Steubenville grads, who all live in my hometown, 
who are all former, you know, a bunch of them are former youth group kids. If they didn't go to Steubenville, they were my youth group kids, so they practically went to Steubenville. They graduated from Scott Hahn University, a.k.a. my <laughs> life team program. But all of this stuff, right, all of this stuff connected to each other. They, this person came to me and said, if it wasn't for the community groups, and yes, the albeit somewhat artificial structure of them, if it wasn't for that, we never would have prayed with our friends. Because you know what happens is they get together, and it's so important that they spend time together, but they drink. And, or they mm-hmm. hang out. Or they do a play date with their kids. Or they do X, Y, and Z. All things that are important. All these things are important. But when you combine all of those things, a meal together, potluck, whatever it is, sharing, bringing your kids together, and then you intentionally study scripture, bring up the word of God in community, and then pray for each other and then say, this is the part of my Catholic faith that I have the most struggle in. And then you talk about this stuff in a raw sort of way. I mean, let me, I mean, one guy who he says, I was a nominal Catholic on my first night at community groups. My entire life changed, and because of the discussion questions, he said, my entire life changed, and I read the Bible recreationally. He always says that. I read the Bible recreationally, right? And the reason why that was so important for him was because he had never said the name of Jesus outside of church in front of his peers. And so community groups, yeah, they're artificial, but that's because, and I would love to get into this, but we won't. Uh, that's because our our straight-up suburban culture prevents intentionally prevents community from happening. We're spread out. It's all dictated by car. If you're lucky to live in an apartment, hopefully those people in that apartment don't just go in their rooms and watch Netflix. There's some sort of like, you know, you're meeting people while you're walking to the grocery store and all this different stuff. Um, but the thing is the normal suburban sprawl is is it's impossible to connect with your neighbors unless – you happen to be outside at the same time in the exact same part of your neighborhood. Like, oh, I'm taking my trash cans out. Oh, so are you next door neighbor? Hi, how are you? Right? That's the only time I ever see my neighbors is when we're taking the trash out or going to work. And because our neighborhoods are built in such a way that the homes are meant to be an oasis of peace, not the neighborhood, people don't have connections. So you have to, f- you have to create a structure to funnel the I connection. Mean, what you're talking about is Acts 2. We're like, what did all, what did the apostles share? They had shared a community, shared prayer. Uh, they, uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' mission. teaching and to the breaking of the bread, bread and the prayers. Yeah, and those four aspects. Of, like, no, 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 I, sorry. And I, I don't want you to think that I'm trying to be like, no, like these groups are dumb. That's, that's, that's not what, um, I'll cut I'm you, Luke. I will all. cut you. What I'm, what, um, I'm reeling against is a culture of a within a church that just wants like just like they everyone just wants like a silver bullet. They Absolutely. Just want a prepackaged like thing. And it just like that's not it's it's just to me it's very dehumanizing. And that's not what like you're doing, but it's like at all. Just that um I mean there's like a whole there's just I don't know. I, I just get um, within within my own work here within ministry. I always said here at the bloop. Um, yeah, hopefully no one goes to the post where you uh, did the um, uh, save that Catholic couple on uh, GoFundMe because it's like Luke last name on behalf of Daniel in. <laughs> yeah, no, I I had to, so it was kind of yeah. like, well, there's that. Um, no, it, 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 um, and I, I think like 
okay, so my experience out in out I don't like Denver was awesome, except for the fact that like I do think that like we were a Catholic okay, we were um Catholic we were Catholic buddies who drank uh, together. Yes. As opposed to which is what I think it can really fall into. But you can't I, I, I do think it, it helps that it's done at the parish level and there there you you do have to cultivate that. Yeah. I guess what like okay, what what makes me uncomfortable is that idea that it worked here for me. Let's go and do it there for you because you're not like you're not out in Atlanta, Georgia. So they 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 actually can't like replicate what you are doing out um, out in um, the woodlands because you're not there. And like I have experienced probably the most. I have to be really careful here within this with within this small group of guys that. I'm walking with. I ex- we 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 have witnessed great stuff happening when we ditch other videos. Yeah, and a lot of that's because the like me and the other guy who runs that group, we know what we're doing. We're trained. We're formed in these areas. Like we know how to do that. Most people don't. So what do what do you do with that? And I do think one answer is, well, here's some content that you that you know you can watch. And that's great. But the other part of that that I think really tends to get missed and you don't really have to, you don't have to speak to this cuz I'm sure you handle this, but we don't we we um really neglect the people who are in charge of the groups and we and we don't walk with them so they can walk with others and that's where it breaks down yeah it's because those people aren't what we would call um they aren't well formed for lack of a better term so all we think is watch this video you're and that's and that's and it's like to me, that's maybe ten percent of the whole equation. Not even equation of like what of what really should be a a part of a good a community group or a good or a good small group. And instead, it's like the bulk of it. It's just watch that, and it, it just it really really bothers me. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the big things that we desperately need to do is focus on the hosts of these groups. Uh, like you were saying, you cannot, you can't coast on the content that someone else supplies you. No. Right? You yeah. have to actively, mm-hmm. like the content that some, I mean, it can be sucky content, and that alone can derail the group. It can be lies. It can be uninspirational. It can be boring. It can be too long. It can be too crappy. The audio can be crappy. You know, like there's a whole host of things that could go on there. But one of the key things is, if you don't view the video or the audio or whatever or the book you're reading as the vehicle for number one instruction, but number two, the stepping point to relationships with people, then you're going to fail. But then mm-hmm. the group is just another sit and be passive and receive and then just tell everyone else what they want to hear. 
But if the emphasis is on, okay, this video is great. Now let's talk about what it means to, you know, I listen to this video on repentance. Now let's actually talk about what it means to repent. I watch this video on faith. What is the biggest struggle with having faith? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That becomes the great stepping stone to the role of, but the, the role of the host actively engaging the people in a discipleship context. But here's the, here's two issues that I have seen in my own parish and maybe people who are trying to do a small group ministry in their own parish will encounter. Number one, you want as many people in small group as possible because the great problem is people not talking about their faith outside of church. So you want to get what I would call community groups as fellowship groups. These are groups of peers who are trying to learn about their faith and to have a language to talk about it, right? So you're furnishing content so that they don't have to scrounge for it, but at the same time, that content is literally, now you people go and talk about this stuff, right? And so the other issue is, or the other kind of approach is, you have to set the bar for hosts lower so that you have as big a net as possible for this type of group. There are, I would say there are discipleship groups and there are fellowship or community building groups. My goal is to start with fellowship or community building groups. Now, it just so happens I'm lucky that almost all of my hosts are devout disciples of Jesus Christ. I would Mm -hmm. say, I would say, I mean, I would say almost all. I'd be a little hesitant to say all. But um, I was just speaking with a guy today who's a candidate for the diaconate, who has a profound love for Christ, who has been living this Christian witness for years and has had a mentoring relationship with other people for years, you know, and to have someone like him be a host is to have someone like him be unleashed within his neighborhood. But if he wasn't doing this, what would he be doing? He would be probably volunteering to be a facilitator at an on-campus DVD presented class. And so by breaking it out of that, my, my allergy is people don't have community. My allergy is more so that I feel like yours is like the program thing. Mine is the people who require their faith to be done on campus at a church. I want it done by people in a home just talking about it. And once they start talking about it, that's when they can go into into much deeper things. Yeah. And that's when they that's when it bleeds into their daily life. That's when their kids who are upstairs playing hear dad talk about being, you know, praying and struggling and this and that. That changes shit. Do you feel like we talked about this the other day, the other episode? Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, why don't I, I, I urinate, get more wine, and we go at it again? Okay, cool. I love you. Give me, five love minutes. You, Give me two minutes. Yeah, it's fine. I'm going to go get – I'm going to go grab more water. So okay. that's good. Bye. Hey, ma'am. Hey. So, Luke, 10-minute topics. How are you? <laughs> good. I'm literally going to open up a Google window. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm still I'm still like eating. I know you're back. You know Google will set timers for you. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm gonna do a ten minute timer. All right. I'm um pulling up to him. Hey man, I I like I think it's really great what you're doing with. with no, you don't. Yes, I do. <laughs> you. <laughs> no. I really do. I just um. I'm, I'm just like I hear this stuff like all the time. Yeah, as as people pitch programs to you, I'll, every like just I feel like everyone, not not 
not everyone, but we're just addicted to the idea that if it's if it's orthodox, then it's going to save us. <laughs> I'm like, that's just one of the areas of of formation. There are three other ones that if you neglect, we're just going to have a bunch of like orthodox assholes. You know, you know, and and I feel like the big problem with that was. Uh, for the 70s, 80s, and 90s, you weren't getting anything orthodox. And then when you started getting, you know, a lot of lay people were now being self-fed because they weren't getting it from their priests. And they weren't. I mean, there are places in the United States of America which I am shocked that anyone is Catholic. Oh, yeah. Um, but you encounter this, right? And uh, so the lay people just went and fed themselves, you know, that they weren't mm-hmm. getting from homilies. They weren't getting good recommendations. There weren't good Catholic books being authored at that time. And so people just started going back to old stuff, which I totally understand the whole tratty thing in that regard. Mm-hmm. But then, then you started getting people like Scott Hahn and Marcus Grodi and Catholic Answers and all these people coming out and just producing lay content for lay people. You know, it was mm-hmm. huge. It still is huge. Oh yeah, no, and, and I mean, and there definitely is a there's a place for that. But I just like like what scares me about if we were to start to uh, produce content, I would be so uncomfortable with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aren't just, we doing that now, though? Well, no, like we are, but like, but here's the thing: there, there are no strings. Uh, there, there are no str- here. Yeah, because I. Sorry, let me back up a bit. I have, please say there are no strings attached because I have a great Steve Urkel line to go along with it. <laughs> go on. There are no strings attached except the ones to my heart, Laura. True line. True story. That was a real line from the show. That kid owes that family hundreds of thousands of dollars for damages he caused. All right. Um, hey, make sure your microphone doesn't touch your blouse. Oh, sorry. 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 I'm sorry. that I, I don't even know if like I'm allowed to be in my office right now. Probably so, not. <laughs> All right. So anyways, um, what, what was I saying? You were saying how pretty I am. Go on. You're so pretty. Pretty girl. Polly want a cracker? <laughs> <laughs> Fed heads keep falling off. <laughs> uh, uh, da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah. So okay. So no, but I I think like what you okay. So here's why I'd be I'd be okay. Here's what okay. Are we are we a producing content? Yes, absolutely. But we're not instructing people, and that's why I wanted to have that in there from from the get the get go because this is very open open ended. And it's very real, and it's not, and not that those other, not that other things aren't, but I think what, like, why we have struck a chord is because we really are accompanying people in a weird way. So it's almost, our stuff is almost, like, we kind of hit all four, all four areas. Now... It's not going to be. It's. Not, I. I. I think podcasts aren't as impactful as some would make them out to be, unless the person who is partaking in it, he like, or um, unless other listeners taking it extremely, ext- extremely like seriously, like they are uh, writing down like notes and stuff, or you know, and really trying to consciously implement. Uh, 
things that they heard. I think for the most part, it's more like just like an eye-opening thing or like one or two things that we say out of the whole hour will like really honestly stick. A couple of sticky gems, if you will. <laughs> Which is what my wife called a thing last night. So... <laughs> <laughs> One sticky chip. So I don't know if that meant, like I mean no I like I do think that like because I mean that's been brought up to me when I when I have railed against all the content that's out there like well you do a podcast I'm like <gasps> yeah but it's different and I mean I I'm I, I don't know if I articulated that well I'm actually I know that I did not I'm still trying not to wrestle with that. <sighs> so Luke. Yeah, yeah, buddy. Uh, do you want to make some content for small groups? <laughs> <laughs> it's a silver bullet. I'm telling you. <laughs> Can I tell you? Okay, let me let me address one thing about that because we have exactly five minutes left. All right. <clears throat> I went to this Catholic. Oh, uh, oh man, this is actually one of the things I want to talk about. So I'm going to just introduce it now. Screw all of this stuff. Uh, I think it applies. So remember when I took that photo of all these books written about parish renewal, and then you wrote on Twitter, this makes me nervous, and I think about this quote all the time. And you had this big uh, screenshot of, I guess, the Notes app with a Benedict, Pope Benedict quote, which is basically, hey, everyone, you know all these schemes for parish growth and management and blah, blah, blah? Yeah, unless you're trying to be holy, none of this stuff matters. Fair paraphrase? I think that he's saying that. I don't think – I think even if you're whole, he's saying that it doesn't matter. All – all like all that matters is holiness. Okay. I don't understand where you just disagreed with me. No, 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 no. no. So I agree with you. I mean I I think – no, okay. uh, Sorry. I mean I agree with you like with with probably 98%. Now I'm I'm hunting down the quote. I think that he's saying that – strategy has no place in church life. Now, I do think he's saying that you have to understand, you have to understand uh, the world around you and you have to act accordingly. But I think to uh, um, uh, devote time towards like a, towards a SWOT analysis and then to depend upon that, that SWOT analysis is completely Pointless. Like, like I think he would be. Um, I think he would find a. I think he would find a SWOT analysis scandalous. What What is a SWOT analysis? Um, where I'm going to draw a blank on this because because I'm tired. Uh, it's basically like a like a way to. Uh, uh, it's it's um, it's um, a way to strategize. A study, a study undertaken by an organization to identify its internal strengths and weaknesses, yeah, as well yeah. as its external opportunities and threats. Yeah, yeah. Like I think, I think that I, th- I mean, now, now again, you do have to understand, uh, like, uh, you have to understand other world around you, dwell in reality. But I think to do a SWOT analysis, I, I um, think he would be appalled by that. So, okay, in the two minutes and 15 seconds I have here, my <laughs> thoughts my thoughts Go. are, in so many ways, the, the renewal of the church is not going to come about by accident, that the Holy Spirit has definite plans in the world and in the church that he's doing in order to bring about the renewal of the church. Now, 
there are specific times in church history, empirically verifiable, where concerted efforts in specific areas, a.k.a. strategies, brought about massive amounts of true and authentic conversions. In fact, you can pinpoint various times, in fact, a, a generation, if you will, where whole groups of people ended up being canonized by the church, and they all, they all have like one origin point. Case in point, the generation of saints, chapter one of becoming a parish of intentional disciples. Sherry Waddell, it's the only part of the chapter that she wrote, um, talks about this location of one poor as dirt seminary in France, started by a saint, educated saints, affiliated with saints. All of this, the spiritual directors went out and made saints, and they revolutionized Catholicism in France. In America, most Roman Catholics that came over in the 17 and 1800s were not practicing Catholics. None of them. It was, it was like 1%. America, like you can attest to, um, with reading your favorite, uh, your favorite um, American history guy, the revolution guy. Gordon S. Wood. Go on. There you, there you go. America was such a, even though they were, they were Christian, they were mostly Christian in name only. They had an affiliation, but they were largely deists and all this other stuff. The reason why I say all this is there were things like the Great Awakening, things like um, corresponding with the Great Awakening was a Catholic Great Awakening, and 35 seconds left, uh, a Catholic Great Awakening of a concerted effort to do a series of a particular type of parish mission to awaken people. The reason why I say that is I do believe that if we do parish strategy and planning that's number one not in line with the tradition of the church not in line with the church's understanding of church and who we are as lay people that it's going to fall flat and i think there are a lot of those books that are doing that the other thing is that if we aren't focused on holiness first then all of the strategies are going to end up being a dumpster fire zero seconds yeah i think all that you need is holiness and then everything i i, I don't okay next topic Luke. <laughs> Next topic, Luke. You go. Oh, I don't have anything. I'll be very you don't honest. Have anything. Why don't you talk about uh, Doctor Strange? All right. Uh, to do a complete 180 off the other thing, I'm trying to not. My mind's going to keep going, going back there, but I won't. Um, okay. Ten minute topics, man. We could talk about this stuff forever. So let's just cut ourselves off. What do I think about Doctor Strange? Uh, I think it was a, it was everything that a marvel movie should be it was extremely fun uh had some depth to it i thought that it was surprisingly short but i'm okay with that i think they pointed towards well i don't want to give anything away um yeah i thought it was good i thought it was really fun it 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 uh, had some cool elements of, of the catholic faith not as catholic faith but just of like of um spirituality if you will. Yeah. So that was great. Uh, also action also known cool. as magic? Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, they, they would call it more sorts, uh, sorcery, but not in like a devil way. Um, uh, I thought that Benedict Cumberbatch was great, and I thought that that they um, had a villain that was marginally interesting, so that was nice. Like, <laughs> Marvel sucks at villains, except yeah. for Loki. And Loki, you want him to just to be a good guy. <laughs> like, you just want to like him. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, you know, and you want to know why I think that is, why that's, like, they won't ever have great villains. Because they, uh, I mean, they might have, like, one or two. But it's hard to do that in an action movie. 
because there has to be some type of um, a resolution. We don't always really have to have that with comic books. And and how do you resolve a thing with a villain? Usually in some type of action film, they have to die. Yeah. You know, and so then it's, so they like, and you don't spend the, and, and because they're not the protagonist, you're not going to spend all your time with, with, uh, with, you know, uh, uh, that, that, uh, to like villain in the movie. So you just kind of get these one, a dimensional characters and it, it sucks, but it just kind of is what it is. Like it's, you know, it's, um, it's not like in a comic book where they're going to be back, you know, week after week after week or, or, you know, even like years at a time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's just, uh, it's just the nature of, um, of, um, of movies. And I think what like Loki is so interesting is because he's such a, he's the other, um, half of Thor. He's always going to be there. So, but I mean, I, listen, I'm very, I'm pumped for um, Infinity Wars. What was the worst Marvel supervillain in all the movies? Oh, the worst. I've seen every single, except for Doctor Strange, every single Marvel cinematic movie. The wor- Okay, so I have not seen The Incredible Hulk. So I can't speak to that. Oh, that's not count. That doesn't count. That yeah, doesn't count. I know. Uh, I'm going to say probably the, and this blows because I love that actor. He was, because he was um, the doctor for a bit. Uh, the one from Thor, the dark, the dark world or whatever, the dark elf. Absolutely. Male, male kith awful. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, I forgot that. I mean. There just was no – I didn't believe anything that he was trying to do. It didn't seem all that all that interesting. You know what? The only thing I liked about Thor the Dark World was the masks the Dark Elves wore with the, those, like, creepy-looking face masks with the dark circle eyes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, those were creepy. But you're great. right. That guy sucked. He's actually ranked as number 15 of the 15 worst villains. Yeah, it's just, I mean, and it's not because it was, I mean, I would not say that it's one of, I mean, it's not his fault. It's just not an interesting character, and it wasn't going to be interesting. I think Mickey Rourke, as Ivan, uh, Ivan whatever, um, Banco, was the worst. Whiplash, Whiplash, Iron Man 2. I thought his character sucked. He had super whips. And then he turned Justin Hammer's robots into slave robots. I just thought it was stupid. I mean, yeah, it was dumb, but it was kind of. But I thought he was interesting. I mean, at least a little bit. Not. As I think much my as... problem is I saw one of those those uh, movies, those action movies where they have all the recycled old ma- uh, movie stars. Um, what the Expendables? And he was the villain in that, and he looked just the same. Like Mickey Rourke, like just looks like that now. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, ah, whatever. That was Ant- he, Yellow Jacket and Ant Man. He sucks. See, I didn't think that was. I mean, yeah, it's just like all their their main point is just to be bad. Yeah, somebody's uh, gotta be bad. Aldrich Killian and the Mandarin in Iron Man Three sucked. See, that could have been really good. It could have been. That could have been really. But really it sucked. Good. Age of Ultron. Ultron. 
sucked. Yeah. Except except for Jane Spader's voice. Do you think Joss uh, Whedon kind of dropped the ball with Age of Ultron? Did you see the video of him? He was just like, I tried to do, we, they made me, I just, we, and you're like, oh my God, this guy, we broke his brain. Yeah, it was yeah. terrible. I think, Age of Ultron sucked. It, okay. Go on. I used to think that. <laughs> but okay. if you basically, if you watch it again, there was this great analysis of it that I, that, that I read that completely changed my opinion on it i think it's big but like i and, and i can't remember what it exactly said but it's i think the bulk of it is it's it's a film about uh daddy issues and if you're able to kind of ignore the bad parts and really pay attention to that it's actually really interesting but you kind of have to, um, like, suspend your disbelief for a bit. Okay. Marvel kind of stinks. Marvel's – go. Sorry, no, sorry, sorry. No, 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 no. You're fine. The best villain. Uh, I mean, you've, okay, I'm going to not count Loki because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's just not fair. Uh, after that, the best villain. Maybe Red Skull. Just because that was interesting, and I just like World War Two. <laughs> like, I mean, that's really. I, I mean, I would honestly, I might have to go with the guy that's in uh, Doctor Strange. Is that Black Adam? Uh, see, the thing is, I don't. Don't tell I, me. Don't tell. Don't say anything. Okay, don't say okay. anything. I'm, I don't okay. even know why I asked. We have two minutes left. This is why I, I want to say. This is what I think personally, and I'm okay. Can we include the Netflix Marvel Universe? Um, no, because I think that's not, because they have way more time to develop. Right, true, films. true. But those characters are going to bleed into the movies. No, they're not. Yes, they are. I don't think it's going to. There's no way. There's. It's not practical. I just want to point the out. TV shows I, are done. Like, 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 like that in particular, like, so if you're done with Daredevil or that character, you can. Okay, but fair enough. Fair enough, but I just want to say that I think the best of all the villains is, if I were to include the Netflix one, is um, Vincent de whatever his last name is, de Donofrio. As Daredevil? King, yeah, Kingpin. Kingpin, yeah, that was great. He's Absolutely. A, he's a but, great actor. But Kilgrave in Jessica Jones wins as the creepiest. I haven't seen that yet. That's oh with, my uh, gosh! It, oh, was... Shannon loved every minute of it, and it, it is feminism really? on parade. You know, there's one part where they talk about abortion, or that there's an abortion through uh, a pill. Um, there's the at one point Jessica Jones is like, there are some people people who would call her selfish, but some people are assholes or something like that. But Kilgrave, who can tell people just by speaking to them, they'll do whatever he says. Um, it's just, it's, there's a level of creepiness there that you can't wash off, but, um, yeah, man, who would be, who would be the best in the, the best, movies? the best villain maybe is Loki in the Avengers because yeah. certainly not in the Thor movies, but, but you've got, but you have a whole movie of where like, you don't have to introduce him at all. Oh, I got you, this one. This one. Here you go. What his motive is. Yeah, Alexander sorry. Pierce, Alexander Pierce. You know who he is? Didn't even think of this. We got to end it now. Oh, he's um, 
in Winter Soldier. Yeah. yeah. He Robert Redford. Robert yeah, Redford. That was pretty good. Like because you had no idea. You had no idea. Twenty seconds. I mean, yeah, yeah. It was pretty I, I wasn't hundred percent convinced that he was completely good until he then like he shot the maid. That was pretty cool. Yeah. 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 But I think awesome. anyways, I'm very pumped for the Infinity Wars. Bring okay. it on. Okay. Very, very pumped. Boom. Done. Just finished. Look at that. Look at us. Look beep, at beep, us. Beep, so beep, sexy. Beep, 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 beep. Reset. So, so we have uh, that that Catholic couple, Cherubalm, our sponsor. Thank you so much. Thank then you we guys. have yeah, a awesome. quick, yes, we have a quick thing on content. And then <laughs> <'cause> <laughs> I'm going de- to delete our 50-minute rant. Um, and then we have Marvel Cinematic Universe. Luke, do you have anything else you want to talk about? I um, How much time is that? Is that uh, a whole episode? No, that's that's like 30, 40 minutes. Yeah, most. okay. I want to, well, I've got to think. We, we haven't really, this was uh, brought up by our buddy Brad, who's going to write a Catching Foxes drinking game. He's the nice. guy who started the whole drink anytime these days. He says it was about households, but it's kind of changed in Stupidville. Yes. Anyways. I've started um, the timer. Go on. All right. So he was like, you guys have to talk a little bit more about culture stuff. So I was like, yeah, we do. So I'm glad that we are doing this. I want to talk about I want to talk about the new Jimmy Eat World album. We can just talk about music from, from here on out. It is so good. It's called Integrity Blues. They're like a melodic pop rock band. Jimmy, this album, it takes a couple of listens to really kind of uh, let it sink in. It's excellent. It is abs- It is fantastic. So if you're a fan of um, pop, of like pop rock and roll, I say check it out. It is very, very good. Very good. Would you call it dy- dynamic dream pop? <laughs> dynamic dream pop. No, I would not. Actually, they do have one song that's kind that's kind of like that. Uh, it's, it's the title track, but it's a really good album. And I will just say, if you're a person who thinks that Jimmy E world is the band that wrote that song that Taylor Swift likes, just jump off a bridge now, because that makes me so mad. Don't really do so- that, please. What song? What song is that? The, no, it's not a, it's not a, uh, she likes the middle or whatever. Oh, um, that's a great song. It is, but th- Okay. Here's what drives me so insane about this. Have you heard their album, Clarity? Oh, man, it's so good. Yeah, it like it is a genre-defining album for a genre that isn't even the band's genre, which is a lot of times to use the word genre. It drives me insane that people this – is, this is more your, like, inter, your Entertainment Weekly kind of reviews. Don't talk about that. That it's always the band that, you know, wrote of the middle. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? It's like, Clarity is the, I mean, in my mind, it's one of the, I would put it in the top 10 albums ever. Ever. It is so good and so important. And it just drives me insane that people, like, I I just, I wish we could talk, like, we're just so obsessed with 
like what is popular on a mass scale and that's the standard for like if a thing is good or bad and it really bums me out yeah yeah so is your favorite song from that album lucky denver mint because you used to live in denver no it's actually uh table for glasses I think that song is beautiful. It's one of the greatest songs I've ever. I just, it just I have I still, every I still recall what I felt the first time that I heard it. It was incredible. Such a good. It's it's just. It's awesome. And I just wish people would stop being like, oh, yeah, they wrote that one song. Anyways. What do you think the relationship between pop culture and pop music or the the popular consumption of music? Because you can have legit, honest, awesome artists ascend to pop culture level, Mm -hmm. pop pop music level. And then you can have... Just train wreck factory produced music hit the popular level. What what do you think the relationship is? Like, why is Clarity, which was released in 1999, mm-hmm. which is described as the definitive album for this band, why was it so largely ignored? How does that happen? Um, because, okay, so you have to think back one to 1999. Uh, What's popular then? It's. Well, Kid Go Rock, on. it's in sync. It's the end of the limp of the limp uh, limp biscuit era. God help us all that that you know like ended. You guard, um, you guard your tongue, you son of a bitch. <laughs> hey, let me let me. Okay, I'll, I'll I'm I'm right I'm right here with you. Okay, you ready for this? Yeah. Believe by Cher, number one. No Scrubs by TLC. Mm-hmm. Angel of Mine by Monica Heartbreak Hotel by Whitney Houston featuring Faith Evans and Kelly Price. Baby One More Time by Britney Spears. Oh, we were so young and innocent then. Listen Britney. to this. <laughs> so young and innocent. <laughs> Kiss Me by Sixpence None the Richer, which I'm still That's trying right. to I'm still trying to understand that. Genie in a Bottle by Christina oh, Aguilera. I had that poster in my room. I love that song. What, Genie in a Bottle or Kiss Me? Uh genie in a bottle i also loved kiss me because i love sixpence none the richer now were they they were a christian band right yeah yep they were on squint okay oh okay uh every every morning by sugar ray every morning never we know we all know the words of the song oh so terrible nobody's supposed to be here by deborah cox i don't know that one yeah i don't know that one is it live in la vida loca by ricky martin oh ricky martin where you where my girls at by 702 no idea what that is if you had my love by jennifer lopez you had my oh you gave it all to me don't you feel so old remembering yeah very slide by goo goo dolls i love that song i'm gonna go a couple more a couple more and we'll wrap it up i want it that way by the backstreet boys oh whoops i missed one have you ever by brandy Remember Brandy? Brandy. I love Brandy. Where's Brandy now? Ah, she's behind you. Uh, (laughs) I wanted that way by Backstreet Boys. And then, (laughs) hey, (laughs) Brandy's everywhere. Um, (laughs) Brandy knows all. Okay, here's a couple more that I think you guys will find hilarious. 
Uh, I'm Your Angel. Do you know who sings that song? Uh, it's a duet. How does it by, go? By the two most unlikely people to do a duet. R. Kelly and Celine Dion. Boy, did that backfire. <laughs> hey, I, I pee on 13-year-old girls. And oh, I'm God. Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> Which is practically the same thing. Anywho, so then you have All Star by Smash Mouth, Angel by Sarah McLaughlin. Uh, oh, that's a good song. Dude, the angels. Did I ever tell you that I went through a really quick phase where I was, where I was obsessed with Dido? Oh, man, everyone was. Are you kidding me? Like, from, from Eminem into her album release, everyone was. No, no, it was before the Eminem song. Oh, of course, because it was before she was cool. No, she was big out in, out in England. I was like, I really liked, uh, oh, yeah, it was uh, No Angel was the name of that album. No, I think there you're thinking go. of no scrubs. No scrubs. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, a couple Lisa, more. Couple, burn the house down. A couple more. I think you'll love this. I think you'll love this. Smooth by Santana featuring Rob Thomas. I remember being drunk and hearing that song. Yeah, listen, I'll tell you what, though. That got me into Santana, which is a worthy thing. He's amazing mm-hmm. with that He's very good. He's very, uh, very good. Unpretty by TLC. I don't remember that song anymore. Vaguely. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so Bill's, 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 Destiny's Child. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ladies, if only we could tell you. Uh, Save Tonight by Eagle Eye Cherry. Oh, that song, I love that okay, song. Okay, now here's the deal. Save Tonight by Eagle Eye Cherry. Save Tonight. Tonight. Fight, fight the break, the break of, of dawn. Come of tomorrow. course he drinks wine during that song. Okay, but yes, of course. But that song... Was I don't understand how that's on 90, 1999 because when I moved from Oklahoma to Texas in 1998, that song was huge. And I was maybe singing it while flying in a plane away from my friends. Save tonight. <laughs> by the break of dawn. That thing was so big. Yeah. That it, I'm, I'm sure it probably was in the top 25 or, or top 200 for two to three years. Skipping down to 32, that don't impress me much by Shania Twain, followed by Wild Wild West by Will uh, Smith. Oh, rough Riders, no, you don't want nada. Is that what they said? Yeah, at some point in time, he <laughs> says that, I believe. <laughs> Wild Wild West. You know, here's the funny thing. You know Rock-a-bye. that Will Smith was the lead, lead actor in Wild Wild West, right? Or mm-hmm. Wild West. He took that movie over being Neo in The Matrix. Did you know that? But yeah, but there was no. He could not have done of the Matrix, though. I mean, because we only know it as the blank face man himself, but Keanu Reeves. Will Smith does one thing, and he does it very, very well. And just it's like Will Tom Cruise, Smith. just yeah. like Tom Cruise. So there's yeah. no way that he can be Will Smith. And then now, who knows? Perhaps he would have like dramatically changed his range during that. I could be wrong. But could you imagine that with him? couple more songs that I think you'll think are hilarious. 30 seconds. Okay. Jumper by Third Eye Blind. Wish uh, you would step back. Do not mock Third Eye Blind. <laughs> I hate, I hate Third Eye Blind. Hate Third Eye Blind. Okay, so next, good. next. There's do, a great cover of that no, song. No, stop it. Stop it. Do Wop, that Lauren. thing, Lauren Hill. Mambo number five. Mambo number five. A lot of sadness there. God must have Go spent on. a little more time on you by NSYNC. Uh, What's your favorite? NSYNC song. Everyone's got one. Uh, favorite NSYNC song. Shoot. Three, two, one. Mine's Gone. Gone's a very good good song. All right. You're next. 
Oh, okay. So my next ten minute topic. Let me reset the timer. Is favorite in sync songs go <laughs> gone baby girl is young gone you oh that was gone. a good one that was a good one it's, it's I, actually a legitimately good song but i have to say my favorite is bye 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 i also like uh would you be my girlfriend though it, what, what, no it's just it? called girlfriend girlfriend yeah anyway all right okay sorry nine minutes and 38 seconds Ooh, mine's at 36 you go girl Ooh. Okay, so mine is uh, community groups, mother. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, <sighs> shit, I don't know, Luke. I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna All pause. Right. I'm gonna pause I, my counter so we can brainstorm. I, I've got. I have. I have one. Okay. If you've been watching South Park, and I doubt you have, and I'm not. I've missed the last two episodes, but they've been really coming down on the fact that all we're doing is just like rehashing stuff that's already happened. Go and on. We just want as we're, and we're doing it because as a culture, we're just kind of scared and we're not really doing any, anything new. So that's why we have all, all of these reboots why Lethal Weapon is a like network that. television now show. TV. Sh- yeah, and it's, and, I, and I think it's not just pop culture. You know, like it's really odd because within the past one hundred years, we're actually not even one hundred years. Really, since the probably the nine uh, the nineteen forties, we've been rehashing all of the fashion stuff. For the most part, hipster stuff notwithstanding, um, but I, I do think it kind of speaks to a thing that, like, we're I, actually I don't I don't know what it speaks to. I I, I think it speaks to a, a lack of a core, perhaps, which ultimately is a lack of God, but just what you have in a postmodern in just our postmodern times the inability to create anything that is even that of that feels original so we're just sticking with what's already there i don't know so i think it's interesting i think it owes itself to the fact that we as a culture have completely embraced technology as the source of 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 that which unifies us right so when the religious wars broke out 500 years ago we realized religion can no longer unify us thanks martin luther john calvin and the catholic church who was horribly corrupt at the time you jackasses yeah jackass right so we no longer had i mean we had the hundred years war people killed each other and the way it was Mm -hmm. resolved wasn't by the purity of our christian love nor candy as a Simpsons quote, but it was resolved by pure government interventionism saying, listen, if your prince is Lutheran, you're Lutheran. If he's Calvinist, you're Calvin. If he's uh, a Catholic, you're Catholic. And that's how it was resolved. It was resolved by essentially government secularism. And so the reason why I say all this is because then the, the thing was, no, 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 religion can't save us. Philosophy will. And then you had the rise of all these different schools of philosophy Philosophy couldn't save us. So then our hope was science will. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, it's that type of popular science that we know and love called technology, the applied sciences. Building technology is the thing that unifies us, right? At least it should. 
right? This forward marching goal of progress and scientific things. But I think scientific advancement is leading to a hyperly, a hyper technocratic way of thinking that is incapable, incapable of producing the Dantes of today. Unless they reject that kind of worldview, unless they steep themselves in things like myth. And basically, the reason why uh, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, you know, he did the, the Hercules movie. The reason why it sucked is because they demythologized Hercules, right? Now it was no longer about the, you know, the god, the demigod fighting all these things. They were all, I, did you ever see that movie? Mm-mm. Okay, well, I mean, it's a terrible movie, but the whole point of it is he didn't really go and, you know, bend the river and clean out the stables. He didn't really do this and do that. It's all It was all demythologized, and he just did normal human stuff, but, you know, with tremendous strength or whatever. Um, and he's not really a demigod. Like, Zeus is not really his father. What well, I can't remember the exact, the exact thing. It's been a while. Yeah. But you look at that, and that is the exact mindset that's responsible for Star Wars 1, 2, and 3. Right, they demythologized Star Wars mm-hmm. one, two, and three. So they demythologized the fo- the Force from this mystical, mysterious bond of life itself to oh, you got a bunch of midi chlorians in your bloodstream. <laughs> yeah, you're a type one diabetic, so you're a Jedi. <laughs> Why couldn't they synthesize the midi chlorians and pump them into everyone's bloodstream? Why couldn't they drain Jedi's blood and pump them into the next generation no, of Jedi? I, and I, I think you're speaking like. That's a really good point. And it, Anima Technica Vacua. I listen, if I were to go back and get a, a master's degree, it'd be to study that, honestly. Because I, I think that's what's happening. It and it just and like that's one of the reasons why I think we're so kind of going back to our last topic, why pop culture is such it just why it saturates and it's vapid. everything. Yeah, because it's just you have to find stuff that appeals to everyone. And so when it comes to, you know, and like that's why a lot of like, I mean, like think about it. We are not ever going to be able to watch a Tarantino Star Wars, uh, Star Wars movie. And that sucks because that's not going to appeal to international, to international markets, international uh, markets, excuse me, and they're going to be very. I mean, they're the, they're all probably going to be good, but they're going to be kind of bland. And it just and it's and it's, and I think what scares me about a lot of the of, about a lot of the Star Wars uh, stuff is they're ultimately going to not have a lot of depth, which is what you have with like Marvel, but. It works because it's just a really good time. They're not pretending to be anything that is extremely serious, which could be why the Dark Knight. I'm sorry, why? I, I don't know. It just it. Like ultimately, I think we're in a really tough spot, and I, I think we really don't even have an idea of what culture is anymore, or what that actually means. In a lot of ways, we have just reduced it to what's you know either we are listening to or what we are watching and what we are reading and that's kind of it yeah i think in a general way you can define culture as anything artificial that human hands have created right so like the making of a chair is culture 
mm-hmm. right? It's not it's not naturally given, and there's no such thing as a man or woman who is pure nature, who is free from culture. I would, and, well to that. I would also add a tradition. Yeah, well, tradition's a part of culture, and and so you have this very this very specific understanding of culture as as just as much as I am alive, I am enculturated. Right. And so I can't separate myself from my Americanism. I can define myself against it or in relation to it, but I can't say that I am. There's a part of me that is non-American because there's it's all I've ever known from the language I was taught, the way of speaking, the way we dress, the music we listen to. Um, Sorry, I burped from all the Pinot Noir I've been drinking. Um, so uh, it's not my stutter. So are you serious? Yeah. Pinot Noir. Yeah, me and my wife are trying to experiment with as many broad amounts of red wine right now. So That's we good. Ju- we just plowed through about twelve different types of Cabernet, which is my my favorite. Um, so mm-hmm. now we're going on to Pinot just to see what it's. I've never had a Pinot before, so I just bought it the other day. Mm, nice. Yeah, I'm not a fan at all. But go on. Yeah. So, but this notion of like, so you, ha- I mean. For most people, culture meant the cultivated sense, right? So the high art of opera, classical music, that is what it meant to be a cultured man. And to be in pop culture meant essentially vulgarity until now, right? Now pop culture is dominant, which I guess in a way, you know, like what the most people like has always been dominant as a tautology, right? Most people like what most people like. So I think the the difference is... High culture versus popular culture is a distinction that's that's fascinating to me. But the the unique thing with it all is how does culture pass on values that I don't think people in pop culture pay attention to, but in high culture they do, right? So, like, people actively engage in looking at what an opera is saying or what music is saying or what art is saying, the fine arts and all this, and theater. Right, just think of theater on Broadway. What is that telling me when I watch a play? Right, that's what they dissect. But people don't dissect because it's not worth dissecting a Britney Spears song. Mm-hmm. Right, and so because of that lack of dissecting, so many values I think just kind of float along that pop culture. Um, you know, things that we intersect with pop culture without a, that reflection to it. Until you get cranky old man who says it's all gonna, you know, all the kids are going to hell. Yeah, we're at the ten minute mark. Boom! My timer says we have one second. Oh no! No! Oh. Oh. Hey, so uh, here's one of my favorite topics to talk about. How's marriage? Oh, uh, it's good. I want, uh, it's... I want an update on your life for everyone. Update on my life for everyone. It's it's good. It's good. Uh, you know, I thought we were kind of like hitting a point where, because I'll be honest, our first year was kind of tough, um, just with other miscarriage, and you know, we moved. Um, I mean, and there were parts that were awesome. There were just a lot of parts that like that weren't so awesome. And I thought we were doing really good in year two, but last week was really hard. It's just I I'm constantly reminded of how much of like that it's work you know the we're in the initial parts right now where things just don't automatically happen like we've got we have to work at it 
And so it's just hard. It's really hard to like watch myself do things that I hate. It's 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 almost like through like a that are times I feel like I'm a um, third party individual that will see me do something. I'm like, what? Why did you do that? What do you mean? Like, can you give me a for instance? Without yeah, me? just like um, getting really angry about uh, a stupid thing that I know I'm like, well, you could just not get angry about it. <laughs> you, you, you know, like you, uh, could, like you could just stop right now. <laughs> yeah, and like just. But like, yeah, it's not a big – like, it's, this isn't a big deal because you're going to have to apologize in five minutes for making this a big deal. <laughs> and so, like, you know what I mean? And just so, like, just don't get mad about it. Um, it's very simple. You know, and so that's just it's, – it's just the – like, one of the things that I realized the other day was – or actually was it – I don't know. It doesn't really matter. With, within oh, the recent past. Was that I cannot ever, right now I'm not at a point where I can just coast. I've got to work on this. You know, I've got to learn to die to myself that I need to serve my wife and have this. And it's, it's that it's an active thing that I'm doing. Nothing's going to happen naturally yet. And that it could take a couple of decades until we're really at that point. At where a it's minimum just, of eight years. Yeah, yeah, I I really um, think so because it just you know it it uh it's very easy to just fall back in in this routine of like you know so like I I um I ironed her clothes yesterday before we before we went uh, to work just as kind of like an active way to like you know like serve her because she because um she was running a little bit late I wasn't I was like oh you know and and just like that doesn't come naturally yet. I, I have to consciously make the choice and the act uh, to do that. So that part is good. Let I, me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question about that. Would you correlate or causate? <laughs> would you say the cause is a correlation between or no relation that it is hard for you to do those things because you are a bachelor doing your own thing for so long? that you have to intentionally force yourself to think about the other or is it just because your personality in general is difficult to do things like, Oh, I don't know. Take care of your laundry while living in a room with me and your laundry's all over the floor. Like this is just a normal <laughs> thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it's a mix. I mean, I'm deaf. Okay. So in college I was, and even to like my early to mid twenties, I was extremely messy. What? Uh, yeah. And it wasn't really until I was about 27 that I kind of started to go, oh, okay, like, this is really dumb. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and, I, and I would actively, like, try uh, to rail against that. You know, now, it, it wasn't always easy. Um, my personality just kind of was one of those things where I'm like, well, I don't care. You know, <laughs> like, so, uh, I mean, I would care if it was being presented to other public and stuff. But then you kind of, like, realize, oh, this is what I'm presenting to the public. Um, so like I keep my office desk for the most part, it, you know, it looks like work is happening, but it's not like a horrible mess by any means necessary. <laughs> Things are happening. Things yeah, are going yeah, on, like, but it's yeah, not I mean, a nuclear it's, disaster. It's not Chernobyl. Yeah. No, no, no. Like there are, you know, so like, okay, let me do this way. This might discuss a lot of our, our, our listeners, but in college, so, uh, my, I, so when I sleep, I tend to dig into the sheets and the sheets would always come off. <laughs> we'll have that happen 
you know, 200 times a year, you're just going to stop giving a shit about the sheets. And so I just would sleep on a mattress without sheets, which apparently is utterly disgusting to a lot of people. It's only disgusting when you go for a jog and then are covered in sweat and then you just lay down on the mattress and go to sleep. That didn't happen that often. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) The fact that you said that often makes me want to do this podcast until the day I die. At one point in time, I just remember having so many clothes that were dirty and you were in Europe. I went, I'll just wear Gomer's clothes. And this is like, there's like pictures of me. With like San Antonio Padua stuff on it. <laughs> San Antonio Padua Life Team. Oh wait, I went to a Protestant youth group. I did not. It was only halfway. Um. So no, but I. I, I mean, no. Yeah, absolutely. Part of that is also because I think growing up as the only boy. By the time I was in high school, I was just in the basement. That's that's where I um had my room, and I you know you had your whole had my world. Own bathroom. Yeah. So like I I just like I since the time I was you know, a junior in high school have for the most part have had my own space. So yeah, I know. I mean, it, 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 it absolutely was, I think part of that's caused by being a bachelor, but I also get like kind of, uh, I get kind of annoyed when people bring that up because yeah, there were ways that I was not like the most quote unquote responsible person in, uh, in other world, but there were like other ways where I did things that were in, incredibly responsible and were like very hard and but so it just kind of like i mean it's okay okay you don't want to be pigeonholed i understand the clock is ticking the clock is ticking let me just say this sure Uh, or not say this let me turn the conversation to keep it going uh family life how is aaron doing how's your beautiful wife doing i think i think that she's doing good she's um she's completing She's doing her capstone project right now for grad I have, school. I have no idea what that is. Uh, basically, it's um, like a thesis, but it's uh, it's uh, a project, and it's massive. It is an extremely oh, gotcha. okay. big deal. And Aaron's probably the hardest worker that I've ever that I've ever known. I mean, I that agree. includes like other guys. Like I think like our buddy. Uh, our um, buddy John was uh, was the hardest worker out of like all of us in college, and uh, he, she kind of like I'm like I'm like wow you're you're just all in. Like, do you, do you, you know? think do you think Adam's gonna be pissed when he hears this? <laughs> yeah, no, like Adam worked really hard too. John, <laughs> he's only like, a doctor. Anything that John does, John just like throws his, his whole <laughs> anything self that into John it. does, he gets six promotions uh, within the first six months. <laughs> yeah, I'm mean, like, but like Adams, I mean, we're, we're I think we're all kind of high achievers. I think it says something about us that like we've all kind of like done big stuff. Um, but anyways, no, but so she's it's I mean it's hard though. Like she's pretty much always either doing that or she is working. So um, I can see that it's starting to take a it's starting to take a toll on her. So uh, we'll both be glad when it's done, but I'm really proud of her. She's working her butt off. But other than that, she's happy. Her job's going well. Good, 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 uh, good. So, yeah. Now, one minute, 20 seconds. Going I know, on. I know. One minute, 20 seconds. I want to throw out a comment, and I want you to tell me what you think. Thank After you two choice. years of marriage, a couple discovers three things. Number one, how selfish and self-centered their spouses. Number two, how selfish... Uh, the realization that they realize that their spouse realizes how selfish they are. And then number three, yeah, but their selfishness is worse than my selfishness. <laughs> what do you think about that comment? 
I think that that's true. I, I could see why you would think that. I literally gave a talk on that today. So that's all I brought up. <laughs> it's a quote from Pastor Timothy Keller in his wonderful book, Something About Marriage. I can't remember the title. No, I mean, I, I definitely think, like, uh, you know, like, okay, you want to make her life crazy? Move. Yeah. And have, like, I mean, I don't even know what it would be like if we had two full-time jobs and and a, a kid. That just would be, I, I don't know how. how yeah, I'll tell like, you what would happen. I'll tell you what would happen. That. You wouldn't move. That would yes, be the thing is you would true. fight to get – you would probably move to some area that you thought was better than the last area, but then you would root, and that's a big thing. All right, we got seven seconds, so we're just going to go on to the next topic. Luke, have you voted yet? Um, so I don't know if I'm registered to vote. I thought that I did, and I went to check, and it said that I wasn't, so I'm going to check tomorrow. Um, if you're Monday. not registered, go to wherever you were previously and go there. Yeah, that's probably what I'll do. I voted, man. You I did. voted in the early elections. I did. Can I ask who oh, you voted for? Uh, straight ticket, go Marion. I'm just kidding. So I, I went to um, I went to my my county my county polling thing, and I voted. I was given a voter guide from someone that I already I researched the candidates local and statewide and uh, and national. Uh, we only had one guy going from Texas, Kevin Brady. Uh, he actually is a parishioner at the other church. I disagree substantially with some of his politics, but all in all, I think he's a good guy. Plus he ran uncontested, um, a lot in Texas right now, a lot of uncontested Republicans, really a lot, a lot of uncontested for, for a state, you know, state, um, state Congress, state Senate, um, or state, whatever. Uh, I can't remember for unicameral or bicameral, um, but the a lot of like all the local stuff that we would vote for, for you know, sheriff and county clerk and um, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. Corner. <laughs> oh, it feels weird to vote on. Who's going to clean up the dead? This guy. <laughs> I don't want no Democrat cleaning up the dead. They got no <laughs> yeah, respect seriously. for the dead. They're, they're pro-choice and they're pro-euthanasia. What are they going to do to my body? I'll tell you what them Democrats are going to do. They're going to have sex with my dead body. I don't want no corner to be in no <laughs> And then charge me 15 cents. I don't want none. <laughs> and then give my 15 cents to some poor slob who can't even. No, okay, I'm done. I'm done. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was channeling various Thanksgiving conversations I've had. Um, <laughs> the I don't know, man. Uh, so I did not vote for Trump at all. Uh, I did not vote for Hillary at all. I voted for a third party in my desperate attempt to keep third parties on the ballot because I believe fundamentally, even though the third party does not reflect all of my views, I believe fundamentally in breaking up the two-party system. So I will make sure that I – and I encourage everyone who has a third party on your ballot to realize that the lesser of two evils, why not the lesser of five evils? Why not the lesser of 20 evils? (laughs) Chances are the more options you have, the less evil you're going to get, right? And so, uh, yeah, no, I went third party for – like I said, I only had one guy going up for – I believe it was for the House. Now I'm blanking. But Kevin Brady, he's a Republican, voted for him. Um, when it comes to my judges, I vote half Republican and half Libertarian because Libertarians care about the Constitution. Republicans care about my social issues that I want them to care about. Uh, Constitution be damned. So hopefully the <laughs> Libertarians will force the Republicans to care about my issues in a constitutional way. Does that make sense? I hope so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
That makes sense. And I do voted you... for one pro-life Democrat. Go on. Oh, nice. No, I'm sorry. I, I just I always think it's cool to like vote. Like to not just I, I'm not a big fan of the straight party. Have you ever done that? Ticket Have you ever anymore. done straight tickets? Yeah, yeah. Like I, I did my first election as an eighteen. Two thousand four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Oh, um, two thousand four was the election I didn't vote in because I was in Austria and they didn't send me an absentee ballot. Go on. It was the first time I was able to vote in an election. I mean, in, in a presidential one because I didn't. I turned eighteen after oh, George right. Bush assumed office. So All right, I was eighteen after. beforehand because I was homeschooled and didn't finish homeschooling in high school in time. So I was an 18 year old. <laughs> so I had plenty of time. <laughs> um, Basically okay. all I had was time. Go on, Luke. <laughs> uh, what, what were you asking me? Uh, what are you, what are your, uh, well, I asked about straight ticket, but what are your general thoughts about the election? Where do you think you're, where do you think you're swinging? You know, okay. I'm going to be very, very honest here. I want After... you to lie. Actually, just tell me a lie. <laughs> Two truths and a lie. Uh, you're pretty. You're smart. And I'm glad that we're friends. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> well, I know I'm pretty. So, <gasps> <laughs> okay. Uh, so, Pinot after conversation, I like Pinot Noir. It's just not like my red wine of choice. Yeah, I, no, I me either. am more of um, uh, well, a cab guy. If I'm being honest. Okay, so absolutely. After our talk with Tom, it really did cause me to think. Okay, is this the lesser of two of two evils? And I and I and I started to see why it could be. I I I was kind of able to understand that that point a, a little bit better. But, but I'm just I'm still there is just no way that I can vote for Trump in good conscience. So what I'm probably going to do is just not vote in that one. I'm just I I, I if I find if I um, have like a write-in candidate that I that I like. Between the next, you know, two days, I will, but I'll probably just not vote. Um, or not vote for the presidential candidate. Yeah. Why not yeah. do what I said, which is vote for a third party, which you know he, he's not going to win the third get, party. Yeah, no, it, I, I just, for me, I'd be okay with if, like, it was a person that, like, I would have to know. Like, you don't, you don't have to tell me now, but, like, email me um, – who you voted for? And no, the libertarian guy. I'm not going to vote for Julie Stein, the Green. See, party. I can't vote for him. I just, I, I, I can't. I hold Trump to some pretty high standards for some reason. Why I really won't vote for him. And I think, and I have the same thing about uh, Gary Johnson. He needs to know who those who those world who um, other world leaders are. He can't just go on. Um, he can't. He, he can't ask to be. Taken seriously, no, I, oh, totally, and then totally. drop the ball like that. Totally, you know, just, Aleppo and the world leaders was utterly was, embarrassing. Yeah, my and, only and, defense of that, which isn't really a defense, is the libertarian is so obsessed with a the Constitution, b individual rights, and c non interventionism abroad. Yeah, yeah, they I, yeah, don't care I agree. about it. But I, you know, I, I actually, for the first time in my life, agree with the Green Party lady. Um, and Susan Sarandon, who said famously, I won't vote with my vagina because she's refusing to vote for Hillary Clinton because Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, less so Donald Trump. This is the one area where I actually like Donald Trump is he's less of a warmongerer than Hillary. Hillary is – people don't understand. Hillary is an insane warmonger who's stuck mm-hmm. in the Cold War. So that mm-hmm. being said, 
uh, Trump is like, nah, let the Russians do whatever. And I'm like, oh, that's a really bad idea. <laughs> yeah. But on top of this, but on top of this, Julie Stein actually said she's more in favor of Trump than Hillary when it comes to foreign policy because, although let's be honest, Trump doesn't know the first thing about foreign policy. Hillary is all about foreign policy in terms of a policy wonk. Hillary is a binder memorizing policy wonk, and that binder was written in the Cold War. So, she's everything I hate about a bureaucracy. Just and she's, like, she's everything I hate about foreign policy. She's a neocon yeah. in, in, a liberal, in liberal clothing. So, and most Democrats are. They are 100%. Dianne Feinstein, oh, pro-abortion, women's rights. By the way, my husband works for the largest government weapons contractor, and I have voted for every single U.S. altercation. Oh, look, you're buying our weapons. Wonderful. That's my <laughs> Diane Feinstein. I don't. I don't even understand how that's impressive. But just one really quick point. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah. and I. You got two I'm, minutes to make it. It's not quick. I'm not going to. I'm not going to fault you for wanting uh, to vote for him. I totally understand why, and I think I. I think it is morally okay. Um, Thanks, uh, buddy. Uh, to do so, like, why? I, like, like one of my big issues with Trump and I like why I will not, why he is not going to get my vote is to me, he is not presidential and that really matters when you're dealing in with people who have nukes. There are some things you can't backpedal on, especially when people are hot headed crazy like you cannot you just can't act like that you cannot say this and i just expect more out of you can't let personal insults literally derail you exactly yeah or think that it's okay to just be like just just for just like how he's like that's okay so i don't like um, any of obama's policies i do like how obama talks about them I really, really do. I, I think he is very presidential in how he speaks to and about. Oh, I mean, okay. I'm talking more like how he speaks, his dialect, his choice of words, and the respect that he'll have for other people, even when he doesn't agree with them. Wait, 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 times, wait. Would you say as a black man, he's very articulate? <laughs> Stop it. I think basically what I'm saying is Obama's very articulate. Good for him. No, no, but I, I mean, like, no, you know, I'm like, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just making a joke. <laughs> he's like very elegant, and he brings a lot. I, th- I think he does bring a lot of respect to that office with how he conducts himself. Now, again, with like his pol- and now it's weird because I think like half stuff that he does is evil. So it's cool. It's like being like, yeah, Hitler guy really knew how to work a crowd. <laughs> wow, Stalin, he loved that violin. Okay, I have one more thing. I have one more thing I want to talk about. Well, okay. I mean, kind of. I don't know. I've, I've, I mean, no, I'm fine with doing um, one more thing, but it's, that's got to be it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because i got to so, head out of here. Okay, so let's, let's brainstorm me and you. If it, okay, so I kind of want to talk about, uh, you know. Screw it. Can of wor- no, 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 no. Can of worms, baby. Can of worms. No, there's, it's not a can of worms. I'm just trying to think if this, is, can, if this can actually be a thing. Let's do it. Well, I mean, I just want to talk about, like, growing our ministry. And yeah. me, me personally, growing my own ministry of lay evangelists and us 
looking into growing what we're trying to do here at Catching Foxes without, you know, going into detail. But so the state of the podcast thing that I that I said that yeah. we should talk about, but like for everyone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's make wild <laughs> promises and follow through with half of them. Rick Warren, everyone. Rick Warren. He's going to be on one day. Um, so here's my deal with, with Lay Evangelist. Um, my ultimate goal is to be self-sustaining from my personal ministry in two years. That is to make enough income that it equals what I'm making today with my full-time job plus the extra stuff that I do plus money to cover health insurance. Okay. That's a very tall order that involves me upping my personal price to do weekend events by about 500 to a thousand dollars and doing those events three times a month. Now, if I'm working a full-time job, I can't do that three times a month. The most I can do with my traveling is twice a month. If I travel, you know, all this stuff. Um, because I teach RCIA on Sundays. I teach RCIA on Tuesdays. I have an amazing class. Luke, you want to talk about community? I invited all those people over to my house. And it's still causing ripple effects in our parish. Just by having a group of 60 people in my house the fruits of it are reverberating out through my parish in general. So that's awesome. But uh, I flew, so I did an event last weekend. Then on Tuesday, I flew to Pittsburgh, did a date night event Pittsburgh. on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Did an event at a parish. Uh, it was a date night for, for a buddy of ours, Dave Van Vickle, who Dave told me this story is awesome. He went to Boston and a bunch of people, and if you're listening, God love you. A bunch of people ran up to him and were like, we listen to Catching Foxes. You're Dave Van Vickle. You're perched like a bird. That's awesome. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that guy listens to Catching Foxes. And then we all started listening. And you're the guy from Perch Like a Bird, which is the, one of the best episodes we've ever done. Um, <clears throat> so I did a date night for him. Then I, he drove me across town early in the morning. And I did a parish staff retreat all day. Took a break for dinner with the, with, uh, the priest and, and a nun. And then came back that night and did another event. Flew home. Late in the evening, hung out with my family as much as I could, went back to my jobby job, then got back and then did another event that night with people affiliated with our parish. Great people, great people. Now, today I had an event to teach. So this is like me giving up time with my family. I spent from 845 to 945 in the morning teaching engaged couples preaching the basic gospel message and the theology of the body, and then going and doing this marriage seminar thing with my deacon, who's all about building healthy marriages and stuff. Now, tomorrow, I got to teach RCIA, and then from RCIA, drive straight to another church on the far opposite side of, the, of Houston and do a confirmation talk and then a parent talk, not for enough money. And then I'm going to fly out that next weekend. Then the next weekend, I'm doing two gigs. I am busy all the way up to the second week or the third week of December. One of our uh, listeners, Tom, who donated, we talked about him earlier. He has me coming out to his parish in Florida, December 10th to the 13th. Dude, I am trying to build up all this stuff, but I am running out of steam. I need income. I need income that's not me traveling. So you know what I'm doing? I'm writing two books and I got an essay on the way. What are the two books on? Very, very briefly. Very briefly. First one's called The Collision of Faith and Culture, A Love Story, inspired by our podcast. It started off being a Catching Foxes-esque book that we were talking about. That's still coming. 
but instead I just got lost. <laughs> oh, in... good. Thanks for telling me. Yeah, yeah, don't worry. Me and you, me and you. Me and you are going to write that. We're going to be co-authors. But this other thing is just all about f- realizing how faith gets lost in culture, right? So that's mm-hmm. one thing. Yeah. And then um, I'm doing a book called Renew, which is about my story of struggling with pornography, but how people who struggle with any sin can take life lessons out of it. It's a, You know, it's like one of those things where – you know, you're like, well, one time I was with this priest and he told me X, Y, and Z, and maybe it's applicable here. So I just take all those like amazing stories and advice that I've been given by amazing priests, confessors, wise people in my life. And I kind of share, I weave it through personal testimony of my struggle with pornography and what it means in my relationship with Christ overcome. It's supposed to be a short thing that I'm just going to sell on my website. And then I, I'm one of my most successful talks that could be a secular talk called Deep Parenting in a Digital World. Which it's, it comes from our podcast because we did the deep work episode combined with that Zygmunt Bauman quote. Well, I wrote an entire talk on how parents can teach their children how to have real human relationships in the midst of a hyper-technological world. And it was the one of the most well-received talks I've ever given. I sent it to a company to transcribe it, and they just sent it back to me. So I'm like, now I have a word-for-word transcription of that talk that I can turn into like an essay or a book, nice. a booklet or something. Mm-hmm. I kind of going off what you are talking about. So how specific do we want to get with like what some of our plans are? Let your conscience be your guide. Okay, so I have I have two thoughts here. One of my goals is next January to be able to start a kick a kind of like a hybrid between a Kickstarter and a Patreon thing. So, cause we've had, we have had a lot of listeners come to us and say, Hey, I would like love to uh, give money or how can I surprisingly? Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and so it's like, okay, because I think we're at a point right now where for us to keep going at this, at the pace that we want to, like, it's got like, th- there's gotta be some point to besides just us having a good time. You know, in order to justify the time away from our families and other things like, 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 uh, and also I think we've struck a nerve here. We have, I mean, so many, everyone is responding to what we are doing within our own circle. I mean, and it's been really cool. I had a wife who's devout Catholic who says, my husband comes to church with me begrudgingly. But he listens to your podcast every single week, and it, and he said to me, "It makes me want to be a better Catholic." Yeah, that's like, awesome. I, I, yeah, and I I like want to keep doing this. I want to find a way. So my goal, if I don't know if goals right word, but like my hope is to be able to find a way to go. Okay, how can we not only keep doing what we're doing, but be able to justify the time, which which I would mean some type of income, and also create income to do other stuff with the podcast. I really, really, really want to start doing live podcast, maybe just once a quarter or something like that. So maybe once or like maybe one. What do you mean by live? Like broadcast it live or me no, and no. you show up at the same place? You yeah, you and I are at the same place. So we go and do Theology on Tap in Manhattan or something like that. Just because I want to go to oh. uh, New York City. <laughs> go on. <laughs> yes. Um, 
you know, or, or, or like we do a thing for, so there's going to be part, and like we had talked about this a bit. So um, I have an idea for us and how we're going to kind of branch out and doing some things over on YouTube uh, and other things like, like how can we grow our brand and keep trying to make the impact that like uh, that I, I want to make two words community groups <laughs> <laughs> well no i mean i i mean like there is a part of me that's that's thought about like should we like like because like people do reach out to us and want to talk to us about like hey i'm doing this with my own like ministry do you have any advice and i'm like yeah you know like i that's what I do. I could talk about this stuff for hours. And there make sure is a your guy microphone who, does not touch your shirt. Sorry, 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 everyone. Sorry, um, sorry, Dad. Um, no, that's a valid point because it drives me nuts when it happens during <laughs> interviews. Hold on, uh, so uh, sorry. Did I just say that? Yeah, I I want to because I I want to keep doing what we are doing here, and I think there's room f- for more of this i'd love to be you know so i don't know what that's going what that actually looks like i don't know we have some ideas so definitely stay tuned for it but i it, uh-huh, you got 30 seconds oh we've I, I i've got two minutes no you got 30 um, seconds man minutes. i started it when we started mm-hmm. um but anyways no, no no i i i definitely i think the time has come for us to, you know, start to talk about how do we how do we make this about like more than just the the podcast. Time to make it a revolution. Yeah, which which it will always be about the podcast. The podcast will always be the heart of what we are doing here. I I think at least it'll be the one constant that is um, for sure. I think that we should have a live show. In Houston with people that would respect us and love it. Would you, Luke, can I ask you a question? Would you fly down to Houston for a live show if if that was a possible thing? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So let's just say, absolutely. I mean, just spitballing, like maybe in March. Some that we got to give enough our fans enough time so that everyone from College Station at St. Mary's Catholic Student Center who listens mm-hmm. can come to Deacon Baldy's or, or someplace. Deacon Baldy's in Magnolia, Texas, could come there and just maybe enjoy us live. Would you, would that be a thing you'd want to do? I would do it in in a heartbeat. You know, and if if I were to have the airline points on a card to be able to do that, would I apply those points? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I would. And real quick, if the band me without you, <laughs> let's not make any false promises. Oh damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay, I won't say anything. I won't say anything. But all I can say is, Colin Parrish, you are the most beautiful man on the face oh, of the I earth. Oh, I love you. Oh, uh, uh, guys, you're a good big man. things, big things, guys. You're a good chat. Speaking so, of speaking of Raymond Arroyo, big things are happening. <laughs> but really, also speaking of of him, it's about doing the small things well. <laughs> if we are faithful in little things, Raymond Arroyo, we can be faithful in big things. So Michael don't you Coleman. worry. Raymond Arroyo, okay? Don't you worry. Little things count. (laughs) One day, that is going to come back and bite us in the ass.
it's going to bite me in the ass because I'm the only one of us who has a last name affiliated with this. <laughs> Are you joking? It takes no more than five minutes of research to figure out who I am and where I work. <laughs> yeah. I'll just hop onto their Facebook page and who's this guy Luke posting? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Hey, he's a faithful listener. He listens to, he heard all first 10 episodes and then said, oh, I'm good. Oh, man. Gosh, Luke. Can I tell you I how much I love you? I love you. I, I love you too. so much. So I think, Luke, that I'm not going to have our 50-minute argument in the podcast, <laughs> but I keep referencing community groups as a part of but our 50 here's the thing minutes. is I tend to like it when we do argue because I think that there's just not enough of it. True, but it's two minutes and tw- or two hours and twenty minutes into this podcast. <laughs> I know. I told Aaron I'd be back in an hour and a half. Yeah, l- I just want to say that my end of recording is two point two one gigabytes. <laughs> uh, I don't know how. Okay, I'll just leave this here and let it upload. Yeah, Sorry, yeah, yeah. Okay, do that thing. Thinking out loud, laughing out loud. Speaking of the nineties, all right, man. Hey. Good episode, buddy. Luke, I love you so much. May the good Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you and grant you community groups. (laughs) I like community groups. Oh, by the way, I forgot to acknowledge in our our one episode about community groups. Thank you to my buddies out in D.C. We had a great group when I lived out there. It was fun. So Joey and Jimmy and Brian, don't get all upset about it. Oh, man, you're burning bridges. Oh, uh, you know why you're Listen, burning bridges? Because you don't care about community groups. Hey, Everyone I got some else. songs. <laughs> no, I love. I'm the. Com- I love community. You love drinking with people, Luke. There's a difference, and I'm being <laughs> self righteous. Listen, I love to drink and pontificate at people. So, oh, so you're Catholic? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Luke, if you could punch uh, one person in the face, who would it be? <sighs> One person in the oh, actually, I know who would be like. So I don't want to. Luke, say. one person in the face. Who would it be besides you, Father Michael Schmitz? Uh, no way. His face is way too precious to the new evangelization. Thank you, yeah, his face is. <laughs> <laughs> Father Michael Schmitz is the beautiful face of the new evangelization. Oh, this might be the Pinot Noir talking. <laughs> But Father Michael Schmidt. Please call this episode Father Michael Schmidt's face is way too important to the new evangelization. <laughs> Luke, if you could punch one person in the face, who would it be? No, no. Okay, so this there's there's one guy that I'm thinking of, but there is some malice there, so I'm not going to say him. Uh, if I could punch anyone in the face, who would it be? It would probably be, you know, it would be really anyone who writes at Gawker. They Suck. Or now that it it doesn't exist, but like I just like they say some really great and they have some great articles and they have, and some gorgeous writing and then they just will say the most horrible thing and I'm just like I'm like stop it. You know I was I was writing or reading something from a Gawker. Golly, they shut down on eight twenty two though. Well, I mean, I, so I'm I'm speaking more about their other um, websites, Deadspin, io9, Giz, um, uh, um, Lifehacker, Gizmodo. Gizmodo. Yeah. Basically, anytime they're like, if you're pro-life, you like love Satan and are evil and a piece of shit. Yeah, they are. They are horrible. I just don't think it's. I really don't. It's so util. Like 
this happens on Deadspin all the time, especially Bill Haley when you talk about the U.S. men's team. We'll just call people pieces of shit because they're not, like, as talented as they want them to be. And it's so dehumanizing. It drives me up a freaking wall. Like, I would never say that about an athlete, even though one time I did tell Andy Dalton to himself. It's only because he was throwing so many interceptions in the playoff game. <laughs> I felt bad about that. I felt really bad about that. I deleted that tweet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, who, man. Would, who would you punch in the face? Oh, mostly just you. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, I got nothing. Oh, hey, really quick. To all of our, our, our listeners who wrote long responses to some past episodes, we really appreciate it. At some point in time, we might get back to to uh, to you, but I'll be pretty blunt. Um. A lot of the episodes that we have done, in the especially over this like past like month or so, have actually been kind of uh, taxing, emotional. Uh, sorry, it's been uh, it's been emotionally taxing, and so I think to kind of dive back into it again and again and again. Uh, for me, I just don't have the heart. So if we have not responded yet, it's not because we don't care or we are. Um, ignoring you, I just don't know yet how to put in uh, in uh, um, in to words. Thank you for your res- response, but I don't really have the heart right now to like go into each point like ten times. Does that make sense? Am, am I a horrible person for having to feel that way? Uh, yes. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. You can find <laughs> Luke at the Luke V. You can find me at Lay Evangelist. Rating review on on iTunes. Or don't if you're going to give us a two-star review and call us a bunch of, like, screwballs. Like, yeah, seriously. No Listen, one... people like the inside jokes. It makes them feel special. <laughs> Especially by standing on the outside of those jokes and looking in. Luke, hey, man, real quick, I love you. Man, you, I, I love the fact that we get to talk every week. Like, I, I hate it when we can't record because it's just really good to uh, catch up and stuff. Me too, Luke. All right. I want to thank Cherubom for not sponsoring our show. And I want to thank everyone who donated to that Catholic couples campaign to get back on track. God bless y'all.